In today's brief, we'll talk about Putin's PR nightmare and tragedy in Krivirich. I'm Yulia, and today is Tuesday, August 1st, 2023. We are officially a week away from my 29th birthday. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine from the front. Heavy fighting continues on the Kupensk, Liman, Bakhmut, Avdiivka, and Marienka fronts, according to Deputy Defense Minister of Ukraine Hanna Malyar. And over the past week, Ukrainian forces have liberated another 14.6 square kilometers of territory. In the month of July, Ukrainian forces targeted a total of 28 Russian ammunition depots, 34 Russian military bases, and three oil, fuel, and lubricant warehouses. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, GSAFU, reported that in Donetsk Oblast, Russia attempted, unsuccessfully, to restore their lost positions in Staromayorske and made, also unsuccessful, attempts to advance in the Marienka direction. Fighting remained intense near Velikonovosilka. In an absolute PR nightmare for Russia, the Azov commanders and defenders of Mariupol, who recently made their way back to Ukraine from Turkey, are preparing to rejoin troops on the front. Commander of the National Guard of Ukraine, Alexander Pivnenko, noted that Denis Prokopenko, lieutenant colonel of the National Guard of Ukraine and commander of Azov Regiment, could return to the front within a month. United Kingdom Defense Intelligence reported intense fighting near Orihiv in Zaporizhia Oblast and noted that Ukrainian forces are advancing south of Orihiv, taking advantage of Russian soldiers' exhaustion and Russian commanders' poor defensive decisions as well as a, quote, shortage of artillery ammunition, a lack of reserves and problems securing the flanks of units in the defense, end quote. The Russian Ministry of Defense, MOD, claims that Black Sea Fleet patrol vessels were attacked overnight July 31st, August 1st, with Ukrainian maritime drones, reporting on Telegram that the attempts of the Sergei Kotov and Vasily Bukov patrol ships about 340 kilometers southwest of occupied Sevastopol were unsuccessful. You might recall that the Russian MOD also claimed the attack on the Black Sea Fleet flagship Moskva last spring was unsuccessful. And it was, in fact, very successful. Russian sources added that a container ship, Sparta 4, was also attacked. According to naval news, the Sparta 4 was being used to transport weapons from Iran. It is reported by Ukrainian alliance sources that Russian sailors from one of the vessels called for evacuation of casualties which implies the attack was at least somewhat successful, though it is unknown which ship was hit. Moving on to the home front. The GSAFU reported that Russia launched airstrikes towards Vuhlodar, Blahodatne, Staromayorske, New York, the one in Ukraine, Avdiivka and Krasnohorivka, all in Donetsk. Russian forces shelled Rozdolivka, Orikhovo-Vasilivka, Grigorivka, Ivanivske, Bilahora, and Pratechene in the Bakhmut area. At least one person was killed and seven wounded in the strike on Pratechene. Artillery strikes were also reported in Bardychi, Avdiivka, Pervomaiske, Karlivka, Marienka, Pobeda, Georgievka, and Hostre. Russian forces attacked Krivirih with two ballistic missiles, hitting a residential high-rise and an educational institution. When the State Emergency Service of Ukraine, SES, 
reported that rescue operations had been completed. Six people were dead, including a child, and 75 people were injured, 22 of whom were hospitalized. Let me remind you that Krivyri is the home city of Volodymyr Zelensky. Every single time something big happens that pisses Russia off, they retaliate by striking Krivirih. This attack is personal. Konstantinivka, Donetsk Oblast, was shelled in two separate attacks on July 30th, injuring three civilians. Ukraine's birth rate was 28% lower in the first half of 2023 than it was in 2021, the largest decline since independence from the Soviet Union in 1991. It's not unexpected given that birth rates often drop during periods of instability. And Russia has been at war with Ukraine since 2014. Next up, the temporarily occupied territories. Spokesperson for Ukrainian Operational Command South Natalia Humanyuk reported that Russian military logistics has suffered significantly from the July 17th explosion on the Crimean Bridge and Chonhar Bridge on July 29th. She noted that Russia is using amphibious assault ships to ferry equipment across the Kerch Strait. Analysts at the Institute for the Study of War, ISW, have suggested that the Kremlin has instructed Russian mill bloggers not to cover the attack on the Chonhar Bridge and other critical ground lines of communication, called G-locks. Those are supply lines. Some assessment here. The ISW posited that mill bloggers have been less critical due to fear of retaliation following the arrest of the loudly opinionated Igor Girkin. But this doesn't explain the total blackout on the issue. We believe it's likely beginning to dawn on them the precariousness of Russia's position in the occupied areas of Ukraine, especially Crimea. It has most likely been impressed on them that their confirmation of serious tactical setbacks like the vulnerability of supply routes could hamper Russia in any proposed peace negotiations. Since early 2022, Russia has reportedly forcibly mobilized between 55 and 60,000 men from the temporarily occupied territories to fight in the Russian armed forces. Ukrainian Defense Intelligence Representative Andriy Chernyak described it as, quote, violent mobilization. The invaders catch people on the street. They come to those small businesses that are still working and forcibly take people away. Simply let them change their clothes and send them to the front, end quote. Speaking of precarious positions, let's talk about the Russian Federation and effectively occupied Belarus. Maria Lvova-Bilova, Russian's supposed ombudswoman for children's rights, has reported that Russia has deported more than 700,000 Ukrainian children to Russia since the beginning of the full-scale invasion. In case you weren't aware or have forgotten, Lvova-Bilova has a warrant issued for her arrest by the International Criminal Court, ICC, for facilitating the kidnapping of Ukrainian children. According to private military company, PMC, Wagner Group's press service, the mercenary group has, quote, indefinitely suspended recruitment of new members due to having sufficient personnel reserves. They did not mention whether this extends to recently announced recruitment efforts in Belarus, where a significant number of the contract soldiers are now based. Russia is failing to, quote, insulate its population from the war, end quote, according to the United Kingdom Defense Ministry. Evidenced by the rising age limit for mobilization and the repeated drone attacks on Moscow. Moscow residents reacted with shock to the recent drone strikes on the city, while Russian state television ignored the attacks entirely. 
One resident told an independent journalism collective, quote, It's pretty disturbing. I got angry, honestly, that the system is that these idiots can't even prevent explosions in the center of the city, end quote. In some breaking news, Poland has reported that two Belarusian military helicopters crossed into Polish airspace today, flying at low altitude to avoid radar and, I guess, to enjoy the views of the Białowieża National Park, then fairly quickly returned to Belarusian airspace. Next, let's talk about news worldwide. The Czech government has blocked the accounts and frozen assets of sanctioned Russian oligarch Vladimir Yevtushenko, the most high-profile Russian businessperson to be targeted by Czech sanctions, who boasts ties to Russian president, dictator Vladimir Putin. The US and Australia issued a joint statement condemning Russia's weaponization of food and calling on world powers like China to use their influence with Russia to affect the direction of the war in Ukraine. Ukraine and Croatia have come to an agreement about using Croatian ports on the Danube, or in Ukrainian, Dunai, River and the Adriatic Sea. According to Ukrainian Foreign Minister and my favorite government official, Dmitro Kuleba, on July 31st, quote, We will now work on planning the most efficient routes to these ports and making the most of this opportunity. Every contribution to unlocking exports, every door opened, is a real, effective input to world food security. End quote. Military instructors from Operation Unifier, the Canadian Armed Forces mission, have been training Ukrainian recruits in weapons, strategy, patrolling, and first aid as part of the multinational Interflex program in the UK. While much has been made of the Western energy sanctions against Russia, there are still significant loopholes that have allowed Russia to retain its primary source of income. You see, countries like the US, the UK, and member nations of the EU have not simply been importing Russian oil and gas over the last few decades, They've also been investing heavily in building infrastructure which has driven out smaller importers and enabled Russia to master production and transportation technologies. The oil embargo price caps that have been imposed aren't taking effect in full, and natural gas remains unsanctioned, meaning energy sanctions are having little effect on Kremlin's sense of urgency to end the war. And finally, let's talk military tech. Slovakia will deliver two Zuzana II self-propelled artillery systems to Ukraine this month as part of a contract for 16 vehicles jointly purchased by three European countries in October 2022. The first of the Polish Rosomak combat vehicles have been spotted in the field in columns of Ukrainian armored equipment. The Rosomak is the main wheeled infantry fighting vehicle, IFV, of the Polish army and was also ordered for the AFU back in April. Ukraine has received 508 Tesla Powerwall energy storage systems from international partners, according to Ukrainian Minister of Digital Transformation Mikhailo Fedorov. Quote, Tesla Powerwall is another effective solution in the context of Russia's energy terror. They will help provide backup electricity where it is most needed. Therefore, even in the face of a blackout, critical infrastructure will continue to operate. Doctors will be able to save lives. Teachers will be able to teach classes and Ukrainians will be able to stay in touch with their families." End quote. The Ukrainian MOD announced that they and Turkish company Baikar have agreed to build a repair and maintenance facility for unmanned aerial vehicles, those are drones, in Ukraine. And that's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. 
Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And please, consider supporting our work on Substack. You'll find the links in the description. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. Do zustrichi!